hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to hello. season 25, hello. episode 16 of Happy Tech's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Pooja. I'm Stork. I'm Joey. And I'm Kimmy. And you may notice the screen looks a little different if you're watching this while we do this show live. Live? <laughs> it is right? a takeover. It is the Exodus takeover of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Yes. The the Changeling uh, debrief went so well and was, w- was well received, so we're going to try to start doing that with every campaign. So rather than a regular advice show episode, we're going to be talking about the campaign in general. We'll give some advice too. With a lot and of we'll advice. Give some, and, yeah. and, and give some advice as well. Yes. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happychecksrpg at gmail.com. That's happychecksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social medias. Happy Checks RPG, all one word, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and MeWe. MeWe does not exist. And what's the, what's the Brazilian one? I don't know. Is it Orchid? We're not on anything else. Stop spreading out our audience to <laughs> all these social medias that you don't maintain. <laughs> and uh, Mastodon oh. still under construction? <laughs> if you no, mm. no, I looked at how to install that. I'm like, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, and if you'd like to email us, or no, I already did that one. Yeah, um, I don't have the pages in front of me, so I'm trying to do it from memory. Yeah. Oh, if you'd like to watch the show live, watch the show at happyjacks.org/live. That's happyjacks.org/live. We do the show at seven o three p.m. Pacific time mm-hmm. every Friday. And we have a forum. If you go to oh, forgot about the forum. Happyjacksforum.com. Yep. Uh, or happyjacks.org/forum. No, 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 no. <laughs> happyjacksforum.com. They both get the same place. It's but, fine. But the but use the one so we can get our <laughs> money's worth out of this <laughs> domain. Six dollars a year, man. Right. Um, but yeah, you can go there. Uh, there's tons of conversation happening. We actually just added a play-by-post section, so you can go play games on there. There's also a find game section, so you can find people to play with online or wherever you want to play. And and don't be afraid. It's a very friendly forum. And there's also like a play-by-post on the Discord, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I recently joined the Discord. Was, uh, happy Jackson org slash Discord. Very happy to see all the interaction there. Yeah, it's, really, it's bumping. It's very busy. Yep. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, as some of you may or may not love, know, on Sunday we completed session 13 of Exodus, our Mongoose Traveler 2nd Edition campaign. And nobody died! And no one died. Well, no one important anyway. Well, there's one angry sort of quasi-arachnid that died. <laughs> Except for that, none. Yeah. <clears throat> obviously, yeah like, so obviously, if you want to listen to the end of that campaign... Spoilers. Yeah, skip this for now, and then come back to this later. Yeah, if you're listening to the debrief, we're going to assume that you have finished your campaign or don't don't care about spoilers. We don't want to hear about that. No, spoilers. No, there's a debrief on it. It's supposed to. Yeah. So just pause this one now and go binge watch or binge (laughs) listen. And then come back to us. Yes. I'm just going to check. Yes, I did. I did post it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, there's a possibility because yeah. oh boy, <laughs> it has happened. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I think the first thing I'd like to do is is kind of go around the room and have everyone talk about uh, their a little bit about their character, just kind of what their character was, what their kind of concept was, because mm-hmm. Traveler's a little different than other games because it's a random character creation mm-hmm. system. So. You don't really know what you're going to get. You can nope. go in, it's like life. You can go in with hopes and dreams and, <laughs> and end up get a scavenger. Yep. <laughs> dashed over and over and <laughs> I'm over I'm sitting again. right here. Sheesh. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and just kind of a brief synopsis of the right. character. Um, so I was Riley O'Connor. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I went in and I made her like the great, 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 great granddaughter of a character from another campaign I did. 
So I was badly Irish again, which is always fun. <laughs> and um, is there any other kind of Irish? So <laughs> I'm sure there's people who are good at being Irish. Okay. In Ireland, there's in probably Ireland. Pl- plenty. There's yeah, gr- there's I'm sure Irish. there's people we know. We live in LA. There's probably a lot of great people who can do awesome Irish accents. Mine is not one of them, but it's better than it used to be. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. Uh, again, like I, I, I love going to Traveler because I try not to have any expectations. Um, I did not expect to get cult leader as that was a, that was a surprise. I was open for anything, and then well, that was that was in the expansion book. Yeah, I'm like, and these these two are available as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you were a truther, not a cult leader, right? First. Right. Yeah. So that was yeah. So for this, the truthers are like they believe in like ancient artifacts and stuff like that that have power and things like that. Um, so yeah, tinfoil hat types. Yeah, total tinfoil hat types. Um, so yeah, it was really fun and it gave me a very different character to play than I've played before. Um, so it, like Riley's kind of arc, like a lot of it was really like built in with the story, but I kind of saw her arc as being obsessed with like this artifact and because um, she like lost her, she'd, she'd been in the military and then become a, like a, a personal trainer and like a... a <laughs> Bun, uh, ballistic buns videos that she made. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Right. She like made name. a whole fortune on. I'd forgotten about yeah, that. Yeah, but then she'd blown her whole fortune on buying this artifact that she thought would change the course of human history, which it kind of did it eventually. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of saw her arc as as being so obsessed with this, but then eventually being more. Uh, like in favor of humanity growing close to the team and even though it wasn't like super close best friend buddy bonds it was like okay like she was more willing to put them ahead of like this artifact um and and kind of move in that direction and build a cult at the same time (laughs) but (laughs) i mean like you do yeah but it was more a journey from like being obsessed about this artifact to being more obsessed with like humanity and people so it was fun uh, I played Milo Hawkins, who was an ex-diplomat uh, working with Exodus, and uh, I really didn't have much of a plan going in it, once I built the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew, because I'm me, I wanted to try to build something that was going to be more facey, because mm-hmm. that's that's what I like to do, and in a system you don't know, kind of go with what you know. Yeah. Um, and so he... I really didn't have a plan for him when we first started. It was like, let's just see what happens and see where he goes. And then I kind of decided about halfway through that he's rather opportunistic and wants to see how we can get ahead and how we can kind of work the system to get where he wants to get to and ended up being the captain of a commandeered, legitimately salvaged ship. Uh, Legitimate salvage. (laughs) That's the name of the ship now, right? It is now. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where his arc ended up was Mm -hmm. I kind of joked every opening of trying to herd the cats, but it was more just like Trying to make sure they don't do anything stupid that's going to hurt his chances at moving forward, mm-hmm. um, and I think I did that surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were you were very facey your character. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very good. Despite the fact that you know you can't really choose what you get in Traveler. Mm-hmm. So I'm Stork. I played Vesta Simola. Mm-hmm. Um, I failed out of a lot of different things, like you do in Traveler anyway. <laughs> Uh, but I ended up with a lot of sort of combat-y stuff. And um, through the course of character gen, at one point, I think I saved Kimmy's life. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, cool, Kimmy and I will maybe be like combat veteran mm-hmm. buds and stuff. And um, and I actually said to myself, this is going to be a game where I try not to lock horns with Kimmy. Because of the last two <laughs> games or three games, <laughs> we ended up just locking horns on everything. I yeah. just had different opinions. Yeah. And uh, so I said to myself, I said, okay, I'm going to be Kimmy's friend this time around. But then she played this truther, and she was so nuts <laughs> that I couldn't really back her up in a lot of ways. So I ended up 
You ended, ended up, up doing it a lot, though. You were like, you I, had my back a lot. I, I did. Yeah. I kept trying up to a point where I'm like, no, she's going too far. I can't. <laughs> I can't back this. <laughs> but uh, because because we were like we yeah. had this had this sort of backstory. Yeah. Again, that's one of the cool things about travelers. You make all these connections with the characters. Mm-hmm. And the the archetype I was playing with was, uh, I was going to give him PTS. And I was trying to figure out a way to do PTS without it being all, oh, you know, night sweats and being Wolverine. You know, it's boring. It's been downtown. And I, I finally remembered, oh, yeah, he could be like Hawkeye Pierce. I mean, no offense to Wolverine fans out no. there. <laughs> we right. don't want to get mobbed. Yeah. Mm. But um, <laughs> so I thought I'd do like a Hawkeye <laughs> Pierce kind of thing where he just, he's, he's just, he hides behind humor mm-hmm. and he parties a lot. And, you know, and Hawkeye always walked around with a Hawaiian shirt and a martini in his hand. And yet he was a really good surgeon. Mm-hmm. But it, it was definitely his way of, of dealing with the, stress, the horrors of yeah. war. So I thought, okay, I'll kind of do that. And he'll be kind of, you know, mm-hmm. hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, until he comes into combat. It might be kind of a nice nice dichotomy. And I'm not sure I was able to pull that off so much because the game's... Our first combat, I think I got one hit and was almost dead. Yeah. So, so no, that led to, like, such a great... <laughs> like, uh, the outcome of that was so yeah. good mm-hmm. that I, I can't even be mad. That's but. true. It led to me saving you, which is kind of another moment for us to bond. So that kind of... But that was that yeah. was my planned character arc. Was sort of a uh, a PTS veteran who uh, you know it basically he took this job because he's out of the military, didn't didn't get much for all the services. So he figured this is a cushy job. I'll just be the troubleshooter. I'll get my you know credits and I'll retire. It'll be great. So he really didn't have his heart in it at, at, the, mm-hmm. at, at the start. So the arc was going to be this sort of Hawkeye type character who who mm-hmm. redeems himself at the end of it. Yeah. And I don't know if I was able to pull that off, but. Can I say, like, you said Hawkeye character. A bunch and of I, times. A lot of times, but, like, I... Um, You're playing the Avengers. It's your, yeah. I, was, I was really thinking, like, mm-hmm. you know, Avengers Hawkeye or, like, Kate Bishop Hawkeye. <laughs> nope. And and then you were like, and then he's a great surgeon. And I, I was like, I'm so with you right up until that moment. <laughs> it's an old show called Mash. Called Mash. <laughs> and I, I guess I should have been clear about that. must have been. I should, I should be clear about that because, yeah, there's probably a lot of people that are not of my generation listening to this who first idea of Hawkeye is not Hawkeye Jeremy Pierce. Renner, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Not necessarily Jeremy Renner either, but like, but it was really funny because yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he really deals with it through like womanizing and like you know playing everything off as a joke, and then you were like surgeon, and I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> what? <laughs> I was with you, Stork. I, I was with you, Stork. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've watched all of Mash a bunch of times. So, um, so I, um, Pooja was playing a character named uh, Shari Melnyk. And I really came into Traveler was my first exposure to the system completely. So I read the manual, um, like the whole thing, like the night before we <laughs> we started the campaign, <laughs> like before we created characters. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> She's the only one that was still fresh on the rules. Yeah. Well, That's I didn't. Great. I wasn't sure. Like this was my first full campaign with Happy Jack. Mm-hmm. So like. I was like, everyone's going to be so prepared. I need to be <laughs> so prepared. <laughs> I thought the same thing, too, my first game. <laughs> I knew Savage Worlds backwards and forwards that first game. Like, oh, I did too much homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so now that I am the meme, <laughs> the person who um, actually is everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I didn't have a lot of, like, expectation of how this was going to go because, obviously, I'd read, like, I was like, oh, it's all going to be the dice. Like, mm-hmm. I have no control over this. Mm-hmm. But the dice were in my favor, and I ended up being an intelligence agent 
my entire career. Yeah, you never failed out once. In fact, yeah. you got advanced all kinds of stuff. Exactly, and then got out um, lots of money. The connection that we made, or I made with Joey's character, and us having gone to school together and having this whole like, you know, education bond mm-hmm. was really cool. And then, um, and then, kind of like the spice I had thrown in was the the psionic mm-hmm. stuff, and like that being what made me leave the intelligence agency, and like. Um, and what got me my enemies and things like that. That was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that that we when we came back around, we got to play with that. Yeah, that, and that was a house rule I think Tappy originally came up with, which is once everyone's done with character creation, everyone rolls on the mishap table. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason you left your career and are now a player character mm-hmm. rather than someone sitting on in a job someplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting thing that it was like, I had I had kind of my own conspiracy thing going on, yeah. but I was so on the down low about it. Where you were so open about yours, yeah. Kimmy, and it was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, <laughs> this is so much fun. Kimmy, was, Kimmy would tell anybody who would listen about her her artifact. And mm-hmm. Even on the meme, I was like, uh, I, I was never in the military. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that right. I ever met that person. Yep. Yeah. And the contacts from intelligence agent got to play a little bit, which was fun. So I felt like my character was more going for the like, okay, this is my job, I'm gonna do the thing, and like you know, going into it with that same drive that she had in her previous career, that it was like no emotion, no like real connection, but this is the job. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of it, like, discovered that she not only had a bond to all these people that she was working with and really, like, cared about them, Mm -hmm. but also cared about humanity as a whole. Yeah. I'm just gonna say that, I, like, Shari was not the one to suggest sacrificing an entire sector mm-hmm. if things didn't go great. Joey. <laughs> <laughs> it made the most sense with the information we had at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but the idea that that she came to see beings as having mm-hmm. worth for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now, um, one of the... the, the uh, the ways, because this is the second Exodus campaign. The first one kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um, Scheduling problems. But the the sort of the major conceit of this is that you all work for this organization called the Exodus Foundation. And the Exodus Foundation basically goes out to co- uh, colonized worlds and and helps um, protect them from the superpowers on mm-hmm. Earth that basically have just rolled in once they discovered faster than light technology because they all got there by generation shifts mm-hmm. and once they discovered faster than light technology they're like okay this is our planet now um, you can stay mm-hmm. but um, you can do what we say and then off, off and on they went and Exodus is sort of an organization set up to better the lives of these these planets and help move them to a point where they can be more independent or at least have a voice on Terra mm-hmm. which they, they didn't have that either so the, that conceit worked really well this time, and it didn't work really well the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I specifically came up with that, like, you're all members of a crew, and there's other NPCs on the crew, and there could be other PCs on the crew as well if mm-hmm. people need to switch out or whatever. And um, and I think the reason it worked out better this time than last time, I don't think the concept changed at all. I think we just had much better s- luck with scheduling. Yeah, <laughs> this game that we did with that one. I think also too that what we ended up with for our careers. Yeah, because mm-hmm. having because mm-hmm. last in the last campaign, Dave ended up rolling crazy. He ended up being like a duke or something. Uh, I don't think that was that game. Was it? No, that oh. was that was another traveler game I oh, ran. Sorry, 
where he was like he was like an archduke. The one where he killed my goat. That was the old. That was a different <laughs> oh, campaign. I'm sorry. Okay. That was a different. That's a whole di- entirely okay. different. That was a, that was in the Third Imperial. No, I'm the one who owned the ship in that one. You're right. Okay, sorry, I got him confused. Right. Well, you so, didn't own the ship, but you were like I owned like a big chunk of it, yes, and I was like, right. yeah, I feel like yeah, sorry. So I played like a debutante. Yeah, I was Paris Hilton in space, basically. Right. Um, and I had a, yeah, there's a goat involved in another game. It's very right. allegedly, know. allegedly. <laughs> Dave killed it. Um, but I feel <laughs> like like with the debutantes and. I forget what all the other characters Dave's were. Dave's character was t- almost totally useless, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Had, w- like, no, like, applicable skills to anything. To anything. We ended up with this crew that just, like... Couldn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, didn't have a whole lot of reason to help the Exodus Foundation. Right. Like, and I think part of that was our character choices, because I could have rolled a debutante that was, like, very, you know, philanthropic or something like that, and that's just not what I really leaned into. Right. And I think you... Um, I think... This time we ended up with careers that lined up better with the intended kind of storyline, mm-hmm. and also I, you did a great job of sending out a debrief ahead of time. So I think we were able to make, as we rolled and got different careers, we were mm-hmm. able to make more applicable choices that that benefited the campaign in the long run. Yeah, I I, I don't know if I sent out a, a like a briefing for the first campaign or not. I don't recall, but I I know that. The, basically, the structure of it didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. It, it, it remained almost yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Now, did anyone have any sort of inkling what the storyline was going to be like in the first couple sessions? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things I want to mention. Um, just so you can kind of get a scope on how much I over-prepare games, <laughs> I'm in the process of writing up the setting um, to publish... Because there's a there's an open license sort of thing mm-hmm. that I can that I can publish it through. Um, I'm transferring stuff from my OneNote file for this mm-hmm. into a word processor. I'm a, maybe about halfway through at this point. Mm-hmm. It's forty pages long. Oh my god! Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I would sit down and say, "I'm going to write about the Merchants Guild," and I just start writing, and yeah. I'll write for hours. That's cool. And then the next thing you know. Because there's a whole merchants guild that we never that we literally never <laughs> had any contact with whatsoever. I figured they're out there, yeah. but that would have been really helpful when we were looking for that award. Yeah, I'm glad I saw probably Pooja's face yes. right now because like you were like I wrote 40 pages about the merchants guild and I was like God I don't remember them and then right? Pooja's face I'm like we didn't meet them okay I don't feel bad I'm not a terrible person nope <laughs> but I wrote so because I, I didn't know where the game was going to go right. I didn't know the game was going to be about finding an elder ship mm-hmm. until probably halfway through. Wow. I didn't even develop that concept until then. Mm-hmm. And and what the thing that made that happen was that artifact that you came up with. Oh, and I'm okay. like, well that's I want that to be an elder artifact. And then and then I I, I remember, I don't know, many sessions in, I texted you and said, "What do you think this thing does?" And I, said, I have no idea. To me it's just a statue. Yeah. It's like a, a piece of art. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, it's going to be more than that." <laughs> so I, I came up with, with with what it was and from that sprung a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. But the the original now one of the conceits I wanted to sort of put forth in the game or one of the concepts I wanted to put forth was that yes, there was this very ancient sapient species out there that was extremely powerful, probably ruled the entire galaxy mm-hmm. and was super advanced. Mm-hmm. And I tried to give you guys little clues to that and I'm curious if anyone picked up on those clues. Uh, 
one of the problems was we didn't have anyone in the party who was a science person. Mm. So, so I had to use two crows to like give mm. you guys these little bits and pieces of information. Yeah. But there were there were a little bit of hints. Yeah, two crows was our NPC who was the doctor on the ship. Yeah, mm. and also like and a also the like substitute captain. Yeah, and right. the <laughs> it's funny because I I Stork as a person picked up on a bunch of these things. We were talking about how the DNA and the crystal squirrels, there and you the go. DNA and the, and the mm-hmm. apes was the same. Uh, how the apes would get together and have, but my character wouldn't have put those two together or couldn't mm-hmm. say anything because he didn't really have any of the, that kind of stuff. But I remember you dropping those hints, and I remember. Uh, you know, again, it's it's this legacy left over from past terraforming mm-hmm. or from past occupation of whatever these forerunners were. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, once we got to like, I think what it really all came to a head was when we explored the derelict ship mm-hmm. that turned out not to be so derelict. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, look, all these races were on here, and it's like that explains specifically the lurkers, but also some of these other like markers that were going across species, mm-hmm. right? But before then, it wasn't something I... We kind of, like, early on, we had talked a lot about how the lurkers, like, the ancients were experimenting on them. They had done stuff. But because it didn't necessarily, like, factor into what we were doing at the time... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think we really seized. I remember sort of putting these things together, but it really wasn't... We didn't know what to do on that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. we would send it off to the wolf hmm. and wait for more orders. Right. Because And that's kind of the conceit of what we were doing, which is you guys are out here working for this corporation. We're not really in, supposed to be making big decisions. We're just... Well, we're kind of following the service <coughs> out there, and then we wait for, like, well, here's what we found. What do you want us to do about Th- it? That's kind of a concept that I want to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. And that is... Milo took it upon himself... To be the person to send the reports back to the Exodus Foundation, mm-hmm. and I realized you guys are at this point when, you, especially when you were way up where the rock concert was happening on the rock concert planet, um, you were at that point probably four, five months away by travel or communication right. from the Exodus Foundation. There's no way we. Can You're get- on your own. Yeah. yeah. And 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 one of the things I realized about the setting is. Kind of everyone's on their own. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't micromanage. If you send someone out in a starship to another star system, your chances of micromanaging them are gone because mm-hmm. now it's at least a week before you can get a message back and forth. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I wanted to. Try. I kind of tried to steer you guys to the to the point. I don't know how successful I was to the point where it's like, no, you're you're trusted to make your own decisions. Don't start. Don't you know? Go firing on naval ships or anything. But, uh, but short of that... Legitimate salvage. Right. <laughs> the stealing. stealing. Yeah, I didn't say anything about stealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted I, I, I wanted you guys to get that sense of Atani where, yeah, you're and, and they're going to run cover for you. As long as you didn't, like, do something malicious. Mm-hmm. They're, they've got people in place to make sure to run cover and give you legal protection or whatever it I needs to I would have loved to have had that in our briefing when it was sent to us originally. Well, yeah. Th- I, didn't, I didn't realize that was going to be a problem. Until around the t- until you got to the to the 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 concert planet, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, one thing that mm-hmm. Caliban about the system that I really it took me a long time to get my head around was 
the speed of communication mm-hmm. or lack of speed. Because mm-hmm. every time I thought, oh, I understand it, like, oh no, it's at least three times longer than I actually think yes. it is. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, so that, and also what kind of power like Exodus had, right? And what kind of trust they had in us. Like it was just a slow thing mm-hmm. to develop, I think, amongst the group. Because yeah. I think if, if I if we'd known that information and gotten it really hammered in, I think what Milo would have done instead of sending reports is write the reports and held them. And also been because he had a decent advocate. Like, how can I make sure we don't get in trouble for this? Right. And that would have been more of his role, I think, mm-hmm. instead of just writing the reports. Okay. And there were a few times that you did that, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, as far as uh, when the when the when the sort of what what the final story arc was going to be, <clears throat> that basically all happened back in the Terran system. In the the deep space research stations, you guys recall that's mm-hmm. where the where they were working on the nanobots and and literally it was like a session before that that I decided this is the story I'm, we're going to start telling. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know because when I made the when I made everything, it's like okay, here's the merchants guild. Here, there's pirates. Did you know there was pirates? There's pirates too. <laughs> but I had and and I had a whole bunch of different corporations. I had a bunch of like. Uh, uh, news and information organizations that existed. Oh, there's Aww. tons of stuff that I came up with, and I would throw things in occasionally, you yeah. know, to get. But mm-hmm. almost every organization mentioned in those little news briefings you guys got uh-huh. had at least two or three paragraphs of stuff about <laughs> them that I'd written. Nice. At this point, and almost none of it came to light. But I wanted. We had talked outside about the fact that when the game started, it really felt kind of sandboxy mm-hmm. because I'd done all this stuff. And then just put you guys in it, and I was basically kind of waiting to see where, what was either going to be interesting or where these series of disparate events would sort of meet together and and give me sort of a story ending and an ending in mind because I did not start the campaign with an ending in mind, right. which according to some people you should always do. No, no but I mean it was fun to explore for a while, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I think the end of our time on Caliban. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was a point where I felt like I was like, okay, what, what are we doing? Right. See, yeah. At that point, I thought we were going into espionage because I like I had chomped on that hook so bad about Arthur <laughs> Pena and the guy right. boiling hydrogen. Like I was not like a vice grip on that. Like that is where we're going. I'm very excited about this. And then the lab exploded <laughs> with the nanobots yeah. and the yeah. quantum bots. I'm like oh, quantum. um, bigger issue, bigger yeah. issue. Um, <laughs> right. We'll get back to that. We'll put a pin in that. Um. Still an unresolved plot. Oh, I know. No, I know. That's actually something I, I wanted to ask you about, but maybe mm-hmm. you don't want to talk about it, but because it could be a plot for something else later, which is, I mean, somebody had gotten a hold of the quantum bots before somewhere right. mm-hmm. and was working with them, and we still don't know who that was. Well, you guys had nailed mm-hmm. it. It was, it, was the, it was the guy from uh, it was Arthur Pena, and yeah. I can't remember the name of the company he worked for, yeah. but it was the company that had the terraforming contract for Caliban. Mm-hmm. And basically, the, the backstory of it was... That they had purchased, they had done. Um, there had been another company that had done. Uh, the way I see it is, terraforming is almost like building highways. Mm-hmm. If it's not a public work and it's a for-profit venture, that company that's going to make it is going to go out of business because terraforming is just not that profitable. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very aliens, right? Now, we manufacture those, by the way. They're very, uh, they're very cost That's that whole speech that Burke gives them. <laughs> About the planet, um, right? So, so the, the, this this corporation had terraformed Mars, and then went belly up because they tried to basically go into land speculation. 
But now there's a whole planet's worth of land. Guess what happens to the price of land? Mm-hmm. So then th- this new company formed out of the ashes of that company and terraformed like Titan, which is what, around Saturn or something, mm-hmm. and basically made a breathable atmosphere ice world. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> awesome. Guess how profitable that one's going to yeah. be. Right. So, no, so basically, but they had a lot of backing. So when this, when this when Caliban was found, they realized this is a planet because it's already got all the stuff you need to have a breathable atmosphere. It just doesn't have the breathable atmosphere. Right, but it's but it's going to have the magnetosphere and all the stuff it needs. So this was basically like their last ditch effort to be able to to turn a profit on on terraforming because this was going to be a fairly easy job for them. Um, that and that this basically would have and, and once that happened and the terraforming had to stop, that would ruin the company. Hmm. And they were already the the, the what, what were they called boiling hydrogen the yeah. band. They were already trying to get it to stop anyway but they didn't know why because mm-hmm. they didn't because you guys had discovered that the the corporation that was the working on it had al- already knew these things existed and they were hiding the fact yeah. but the, the, Which, the crystal squirrels and not mm-hmm. the crystal squirrels but the, but in, the, sentient, the sentient insects, insects. Yeah. yeah i think um I think it's cool that you did all that backstory because I think even though we didn't necessarily know what direction to go, it never felt like there wasn't a direction. Mm-hmm. And it always felt like everything was mm-hmm. super fleshed out and ready to go. Like wherever we went, it was ready. The fact so, that you had anagrams for everything said, <laughs> yeah. said something. Yeah. Like, Ustas Navy. I'm like, whoa, he's got oh, this all yeah. worked out. <laughs> and then you had like another one, the mm-hmm. the Legion of Xenobiologists, and, and there was another the one. International Association of Xenobiologists. Yes. <laughs> so I oh, think the Association of International <laughs> Xenobiologists. <laughs> yeah. That war rages on centuries yeah. into the future. Yeah. So I, yeah, but I think that, um, yeah, I think that was a cool part of it. Like, like it never felt like we hit the, hit the edges of the sandbox. Like mm-hmm. while we were playing, mm-hmm. it felt right. like there was always more to go. The farther we went in well, one see, direction, even if you got outside of explored space. There were aliens. Yeah. yeah. There was alien civilizations. Two of them. Almost <laughs> butting up against Terran space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't, I thought, because I, and I developed both of them. The Tobantu had already been developed, and I'd also developed the Chiktal, I think. Yeah. Uh, and there, because I didn't know if you guys were going to say, hey, you know what, let's go, because I was terrified you guys were going to go, let's go to Elder Star Alpha, and let's find out what's really going on down there, because that's where these nanobots came from. And at one point, I figured that's the direction you're going to go. So yeah. I better make up the alien species that's basically sort of just beyond Chinese space. That was actually my hardest thing with Riley, was to not just do stuff like that. To like not be like, well, let's go to, Al- to, to whatever, Alpha. Elder, Elder Star uh, Elder Alpha. Star Alpha. Right. Like, like, the, I could, like, there were times where I was like, okay, this is what she'd probably want to do, but... Like, like balancing that with that doesn't make sense with what we're doing in the story. Mm-hmm. Like that's her obsession, not like the the collaborative storytelling we're doing it together. And like trying to balance, like no, okay, I can see her also thinking that this was important and wanting to meet this person. Which actually is a really good example of like positive meta gaming. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people need to kind of embrace a bit more. Where well, my character wouldn't do that. My character did this. Okay, great. But if your character does that, then you're not going to be part of the party. Like. Yeah. Think yeah. about how you can keep the party cohesive while still being your character, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. a that's and a good way of, of looking at that. Mm-hmm. And it is one thing, like especially when you're saying like, oh, but she'd also care about this. Yeah, <coughs> that I think it's a trap that we all often fall into with our characters that like we get this one idea of how they are in our minds, mm-hmm. and and it makes them one note characters, and 
Whereas thinking about like what other motivations they have or what other factors might influence them to change their mind or what like going why would they go against their their natural instincts to do something mm-hmm. can create a more fleshed out and interesting character to play mm-hmm. that also has a great side benefit of like you not being completely disruptive to the party as a whole. <laughs> right. Well, it's also an interesting note, I think, for people that are GMing out there. And Stu did this uh, with the vampire game with my character, which is if you have a character that has an interesting backstory, take elements from that mm-hmm. and bring them to the forefront and have, have that featured in the party. So he mined your story mm-hmm. and kind of made it the central point for all of us. Because mm-hmm. you clearly your, your artifact was featured prominently mm-hmm. in our entire adventure here. And mm-hmm. um, Rip alien artifact. Right, <laughs> right, and that's and that's a great idea. So, so you know, you've got you've got an interesting character. You you die, you have no idea of really what you're going to do. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to work with this, and then it, it made your it made your character much more interesting and it gave them something to do. And the rest of us were sort of along for the ride. Like, really, that thing's real? <laughs> it, it actually does talk to aliens. Oh, well, that that changes everything. Yeah. Um, Stu does a really good job at that too. Like you, it was sort of like you were baking a cake with things from all of us. Like there was like a war for your and my characters to like be good <laughs> at that. The psionics was mixed in. Like we needed a talker definitely. Like we, you were like communicating between all these different. So it was like was that on purpose, Stu? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. As things evolve, I try to make sure that if, if characters don't look like they're having something to do, I try to make sure that never happened. Mm-hmm. But if it look, is looking that way, I try to put in story elements that are going to be able to feature that character, mm-hmm. hopefully. A lot of times, I mean, they don't, they don't grab that spotlight, but at least offer it. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But um, now when the, when the campaign got to the point where I realized, okay, there's going to be a derelict spacecraft with a living elder on it, mm-hmm. um, the party's going to die. <laughs> There's yeah. no way they're going to yeah. survive this. That's when I'm like, I need to like put a secret, like super secret stealth ship or something somewhere <laughs> that they have an opportunity to steal somehow because <laughs> this old rickety yacht they've got isn't going <laughs> to. It's not going to. Not going to help. With the I wondered why you gave call. it to us. I kind of figured why. I was like, oh, it was basically me leveling you up. And, yeah, and the same with the, mm-hmm. same with the bullets at the end too. It's like here, you need these. I'm like. Well, I, t- I happen to look at the ACR does does three d six damage, yeah. And the armor that you're wearing is like twenty one or twenty two dr. Mm-hmm. So you can shoot yourself in the head with that gun all day long and never hurt yourself, right? <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. And if you can do that, what's the guy who's like tech level sixteen going to do in his armor? <laughs> right. <clears throat> and the other like, and that was a little fun. You, the way you integrated it too mm-hmm. was really fun because obviously we hadn't, we didn't have very many combats in that mm-hmm. in that campa- campaign. It was probably what three, four total if you include the last one, and if that, there were very few. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because yeah, we, we had the original lurkers. Technically, I think we just ran away. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, we had the original lurkers, mm-hmm. and then uh, lurker redux, security bots. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. and yeah, so like four. Yeah. With the last combat, and so it was I rolled like, against the crystal squats too. I lost. I remember I got a hole in my suit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just sat there and watched it eat a hole. In your suit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to communicate with it. it that's right. You were. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so cute! And so it, cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the cartoon moment. We're like, look at it! And bite your ear. Ah! Um, but the way you, I, I really like the way you integrated it, where you were like, had an NPC that was like taking stock of everything and being like, look, mm-hmm. you really want to use this. 
that was here all along, but you've never thought about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I well, mean, he was judgy. And, <laughs> yeah. and in all honesty, those bullets don't exist in the main books. No, so it didn't even occur to me to ask that there might be something. I'm like, well, this I don't is even what th- we have. I don't even think they exist in the, in the Central Supply catalog. <laughs> so he, yeah. he made them up and then handed them to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <coughs> well, I was trying to equip you guys to be able to at least have a measure of success. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. it worked. Uh, spoilers, one hit down. Yeah. <laughs> One really good damage. <laughs> it was Who so expected good. that from the story? One good roll the entire game. It was perfect. Yeah, it was the best. It was like yeah. pop. I really like how you um, like designed all the different alien races and um, like how they worked together in the past with the elders kind of being in charge and telepathically um, like controlling the others and how they each had their role that they were like good and good at. Right. Um, and then you did a great job of then like. Moving that forward millennia later Like what would these um, Disparate races do Like how would they like Claim ownership of their (coughs) You know civilizations Again after being freed or abandoned And then like how would that Develop so you did a great job with that Too and like it was very believable with the way Like there was uh, some who'd completely Lost like who they Had been and we have no idea we You know we never talked to them of too much about it. They had like hints that they still remembered the masters, right? But not like a ton. And then there were races who very clearly remembered that this was part of their history, even if they didn't have a lot of fact. It had been something that had almost gone into myth, right. which I thought was a really fascinating. And it would. I mean, you're talking yeah. almost a million years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really fascinating piece of that, and a cool way to integrate that into the campaign without giving us um, allies who knew everything about the bad guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, tr- I, I tried to, to the, the one the one NPC <clears throat> that ended up kind of overusing ended up being two crows. Yes, yes. Because a lot of the a lot of the adventure really there was a lot of foreshadowing going on for a whole bunch of different possible story arcs. Mm-hmm. But the, and what ended up being the the relevant foreshadowing was the genetic stuff. With the lurkers and with the the insects, the, the yeah, the termites or whatever, and 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 being able, but no, no one in the party had the skill to be able to draw the line between hey, this little segment of of DNA in this bug happens to also be in this lurker. What's mm-hmm. the chance of that happening randomly? You know, things like that, and so I ended up having to kind of rely on that NPC to be able to give you guys plot information. I don't because mind that at all, though, because in that's a lot what I was of ways, gonna, that's what I was going to ask. We're flailing in the dark, and I'm and you've done this before in games too with bird staff and such. And sometimes it's nice to have an NPC that clarifies stuff for us, and and especially if we didn't have that skill set. Exactly, it's, it's yeah. like had had Joey made a science role, had he had a science, you could have told us that. But since none of us had that skill, you had to figure out a way to give us that information. And so I had no problem with an NPC sharing that information with us at all. It's It, it makes also, perfect sense. I also felt like Two Chris was part of the party. Yeah, yeah okay. he really like, was. He was more one of us, like a PC almost, than he was an NPC, uh, in my mind. What what, what, also, what do you think it was that, that, that ch- changed that in your head? Well... The, and the reason I ask is because GMs are out there going, yeah, 
I want to. I really want to know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of it is that he had a very fleshed out personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of interactions that we had with him over such a long period of the campaign, because oftentimes we'll hit an NPC. And we may spend like two or three, like you may talk to them two or three times during the entire campaign. Tukers was with us that whole time. Right. He had a very distinct personality, and he also, because he was giving us relevant information to what we were doing, and he had a skill set that we didn't have and needed to go to him for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe think, maybe because he was actually rolled up as a player character originally, because it didn't. Yeah, Adam, uh, yeah, it was, Adam it was a NPC. purchased NPC. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think. Something that made it really work too is that he was a passive character. Mm-hmm. Like we would go to him and say, "Hey, we have this thing. Test it." So it wasn't like he was like this figure coming out when you needed to give us information that was just handing you information the that you were. Ex machina. Yeah, right? exactly. It was like, <coughs> "Hey, like we we were smart enough to collect samples. We can't do the test, but we're smart enough to yeah. kill the thing and take it back to our doctor, yeah. and then." Like then he would be able to run tests on it, so he was working cooperatively with us to get the information, which I think was important and why it wasn't necessarily like a bird staff. Who were, that's our five E campaign from forever ago, who was kind of like our quest giver. Forty. Forty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> forever ago. D fourth edition. See what yeah. you did there. Uh, yes. Uh, and he was like, you know, our, if you play WoW, like, you run up and there's the question mark, or, and you turn in the information, and you get the information you need for the next step. Um, and birds, uh, I'm sorry, uh, two, two crows, crows. a bird thing going on. Um, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> was like the next, like, I feel like it's like mm-hmm. the next iteration of that, where we get information, but it's because of action we've taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we're asking and looking for that information specifically, usually. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I think the trick for us, us, him becoming our touchstone and us remembering him is because he more than once had relevant information for us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a one-off. Um, and because he was working so long, first of all, he, he healed us, mm-hmm. m- me, <laughs> right, more than once, and and, and you, me. and and he had all this science stuff. So he 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 it, it, like every other episode had something important to help us with, and so mm-hmm. we ended up just relying on him because that's. Yeah. By by the nature of what we were doing, he he had the relevant information yeah. and the relevant skill set. And sometimes he did it. There yeah. were times where we went and <coughs> nope, sorry, I can't. I can't do that. He's I can't like, do this. Why would yeah. you think I could do this? Do you not understand <laughs> yeah. science? Or and we're no. like, no. <laughs> so I think it's also too like there were times where we like another party member like would not get a roll right and we wouldn't be able to do something. So he's also sometimes is like, that's not a thing. Like that's not how that works at all. <laughs> okay. It is. It is a long. I mean, this. It is a mystery for GMs about the NPCs that players just glom onto. Mm-hmm. It's like you could, you'll spend all this time developing the backstory for the bartender, and they glom onto the one-armed blacksmith down the street for whatever reason that you just made up on the fly for whatever reason. And you're like, I spent all this time on the bartender. What, what's wrong with you people? So. All I can say is that the blacksmith have much more interesting information than the bartender. <laughs> so right. So we glommed onto him. Yeah. And, and part of it too is like one. I think one thing that maybe would be helpful for people to keep in mind is that if your character, if your players show like a real interest in somebody, I mean it hurts, but like just abandon whatever else. 
flesh out the person that they care about mm-hmm. and make them someone more important. Like take some, like if you have a future NPC or something like that that they haven't been introduced to, or you could like information that another NPC that you cared about more originally would have had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give it to the one that they actually have a connection with. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what you did in your one shot. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> you did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. I had all these other people I liked better. See, exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Kimmy hit the nail on the head. I think it's the fact that he had such a developed personality, and I think it's the fact that he filled in the role that we needed in the party. Um, and also, the the biggest one I think you brought up was the fact that we went to him with information. We went to him for questions. It was, hey, we want you to run this test. It was our idea. It was always our not to use this word, but our agency. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was just basically the. Make science button. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, he had that's a name that none of us that. could forget. True. No. That, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, anything? Anyone else? Any comments or anything about uh, anyone want to bring up or any okay. lessons learned? So, there was, I think there's still a plot hole or two that I'm I'm still still trying to figure <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what? Where did they get the quantum bots that they originally worked with? Elder Star Alpha. Well, the, every nation had found. Some sort of derelict of the elders. Okay, new in, in information. Usta, in Ustas space, it was the one you guys visited. Mm-hmm. But all of the, I mean, that the, they were a galactic-wide civilization, and they got obliterated by their own weapon. Mm-hmm. And so there's derelict ships just floating around mm-hmm. with, with Guanabots just waiting to. Sure, yeah. Right. And why then? Then when we dropped off this, the what was left of the guitar player, they said, "Oh, you, you've got another one." They 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 said that they had dealt with these quantum bots before. That's just why they had. Yeah, the station was set up. Spe- those those deep space research stations were set up specifically to try to deal with the quantum bots, which were found on Elder Star Alpha. Interesting. Elder Star Alpha okay. is it's not even. I don't even know if you would ca- technically call it like a gray dwarf, mm-hmm. but the the there was a single planet and a star in in, in this system. The elders came in, launched their their quantum bots at it to kill the. the, the did I even mention the hydroids? Nope, mm. nope. Okay, this whole thing happened because another species, a hydrogen breathing species, invaded the galaxy about a million years ago, and were more technologically superior than the elders. Completely news to us. And they had to figure out some way to stop them. And the only thing they could come up with was this ultimate weapon. See? Uh, <laughs> this is this is like mind-blowing shit right now. Right? Yeah, right? This is why I'm asking so, these questions. I was like, I some holes like, in the info here. That explains a lot. Like, <laughs> where it was like, because I wondered when we were playing, I actually thought it was the elders warring against each other. That's what I thought mm. too. That was interfighting. And it was like a Hiroshima type situation, mm. except like if Hiroshima like obliterated the galaxy. Mm. No, they, they they literally were trying to, to wipe out this other slightly technologically superior species mm-hmm. um, because they didn't want them to exist because they were the most evolved species and they were the first species to evolve space flight in this galaxy. Mm-hmm. And they figured it was their man, this whole galaxy was their destiny. That's why they they felt it was perfectly fine to go along to other species and genetically modify them and turn them into servitor species. So Elderfest Destiny. Yeah. Was, oh yeah. man. <laughs> that was. Okay, I was so trying, and you made, you made me do next. <laughs> I have a question though. Yes. So, um, alien races are not really a thing in Traveler's setting. Uh, yes, they are. They are. They are. They, they are? They are. They're, 
Um, they're f- usually very far away, though. Right. Most of the the, the default setting is the third imperium. Mm-hmm. The third imperium is huge, yeah. and that is like this, you know, twenty thousand year old human civilization. Mm-hmm. But all of those humans didn't all evolve on Earth. They had been taken from from Sol and put on Volani and the other planets, and and evolved slightly separately. But mm-hmm. they're all basically genetically human. But if you go farther away outside of the Imperium, you get mm-hmm. the Varger, which are the... Cats. Is this the cat people? That's yeah. the dog. That's oh, the dog people. Yeah. They're cat people and dog people in the main book. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the insect like, people. And, and well, the cat people are the Aslan. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's how can we forget? And then there's the Hivers. That's which right. Are, I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. But... But, th- but there, I mean, there's very few adventures that ever even touch on it. It's all about human politics. Right. 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 So, like, how did it feel, like, coming up with these races that are not at all involved in Traveler as a GM? And, like, did you did you hesitate about that? Like, what, what were some of your thoughts on, like, developing completely new things versus using the things that were already involved in Well, I didn't want to use anything that it had existed before. Okay. Because I didn't, first off, I didn't think any of them were suited for sort of the storyline. Mm-hmm. And all of the, all of the species I came up with I first came up with what was their purpose under the elders, mm-hmm. mm. because however they had been evolving before it was going to take a, a left turn once the elders elders decided that they they could be useful. Mm-hmm. So I started with that, and then what sort of position they were left in when the elders left? Because when the elders decided to get out of town, they're like, "Okay, everyone, we're leaving now, like right now, mm-hmm. because this whole galaxy is going to turn into a big slurry of sludge." Yeah, and then they left, but they actually left stuff here. To clean it up, intending to return. Oh. There's there's technologies they left to basically try to clean up interstellar space to, to detect and destroy any nanobots that were stray. Mm-hmm. So it, the their 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 hope was that they could get it to the point where they're only existing in certain systems where they're all being held in by gravity wells, and in that case, it'd be safe to return. Got it. So, okay. um, so, I had a question sort of along that. Now, the one alien race we met was. A, a servitor race of the of the elders, the what, what, but, but there was another alien race that we didn't that they mentioned. Yeah. What what was their? They were engineers, they, but they they were servitors of the. Okay. There's no there's no except for humans. There's no species that wasn't a servitor species. Okay. Wait, I mean there so might there might be. But. So they replaced the Tetral with the monkeys. No, the monkeys were more like mechanics. Okay. These were like designers. Okay. These were like. Uh, the people who were like developing new technology and stuff like that to a certain extent they would use them to sort of improve on stuff that they were coming up with that elders were coming up with because the elders obviously didn't want any of these other species to have access to, to technology that could potentially become superior technology because mm-hmm. <coughs> they wanted to keep them all in line there was also one species that you could have found but you didn't and I think I may have mentioned the fact that there was a in on uh, Caliban, I think it was a binary star system, if I recall correctly. Maybe there was know. a closer planet, <coughs> and I don't know. I don't know if I got distracted or if I didn't send you guys or, or, or had mentioned it, and you guys. I mean, you had other problems at that point because you've got a bioweapon <laughs> you're dealing with. But um, there were um, basically uplifted Neanderthals mm. on that second planet, living there as. Primitives, yeah. oh. and and they had been an uplifted species. As I don't well. remember any. No, you, you, you wouldn't have. Yeah. I, it, the only thing I may have mentioned is, oh, and by the way, there's a there's one more 
planet sort of closer. In this system. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly. I don't remember, but I had developed that uh, early on. Mm-hmm. And that would have also thrown you guys another little sort of bone as to yeah. how the society, the elder society had been organized. Because mm-hmm. they would have been basically Neanderthals, but but uh, more intelligent. And uh, I'm trying to remember what else I gave them. They ended up being, becoming sort of like archivists and historians. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe they had oh, okay. pictographs and murals that <coughs> sort of described, or an oral history that would have described what the elders did and who they were. Because very well we, could we have. weren't able to get any of that out of, mm-hmm. no. out of yeah, the monkeys or anything else. the Tabantu didn't have, I mean, they had their legends and they had like a lot of practical information. Right. But in terms of the, the kind of way that the elders were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, everything was a mm-hmm. need to know yeah. Yeah. with them. Um, some people in the chat room are asking kind of how, how did we feel about the system and we felt that, uh, like gaining skills and stuff like that and how did that kind of factor into the story? Well, we did a lot of things wrong, by the way. We, we, we broke a bunch of rules in places and we figured stuff out halfway through doing it like, oh, mm-hmm. oops. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed to keep better track of leveling up. I think that we all leveled up wrong at one point and then we, then we figured out what we had to do. Well, there's not really leveling. Uh, right, right. But, well, we, we but, but advancing skills. Yes. Advancing yes. skills, exactly. I think that's an important distinction to make, though. Though, uh, part of it is that we... Besides the fact that, like, it's a, it's a little bit of a complicated system to mm-hmm. do that, but, like, once we figured it out, it made sense. But during the course of a campaign like ours, we didn't have a lot of travel time. Like, no. we were going to places that were pretty close together, and and then a lot of our like, you know, and then we would deal with something for a long like a period of, of time days. in one place. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. It was only a couple of days. We two weeks, and we'd be there for like three or four days. Exactly. And then we two weeks someplace else. And th- but that's the thing is like when leveling up a skill to to get anything in one skill, you you need eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then the next level is 16 weeks, and the next level is 24 weeks. And <coughs> and because of how our campaign ran, we maybe leveled up, like, what, three skills total across? Maybe. Like, yeah. yeah. And I could totally see in a, in a normal campaign where people have slower ships, you could easily get 24 weeks in, mm-hmm. in two or three now, jumps. I did kind of shave off how much time it takes, because you're supposed to roll 2d6 minus something or... 1d6 plus something to, to determine how many days you're in jump space. Right. I just made it seven days. Yeah. We also, we were doing combat <coughs> wrong up until the end. We had to, you know, so you have to add the bonuses from overrolls. You have to take your minuses and your pluses for whatever skill sets you have. You also have to factor in range. We weren't doing any of that up well, until the end when range, we finally said Range uh, almost never mattered. I was, was about to say, range we were always really close. When we, when we were <coughs> at the extent I remember, like, a couple of times, it was like, oh, I'm that far away, like, it's going to cause me a penalty, and we would just hold or do something else. Yeah. yeah. So range didn't come into right. play for us very much. Right, and the lurkers would only attack at <coughs> close distance. they close up. Right. So at, at some point, range was actually a problem. Mm-hmm. Was like, yeah. oh, i got to drop my rifle and have... But we kept, we, kept for, we kept forgetting the fact that you add the, the your two-hit die roll effect to your damage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Until the last set. I think the system fact, is... Halfway like, through the last... <laughs> that's, what that's what I was trying to say. But, but when we have four combats, it's not exactly like right, yeah. it was like majorly impactful to the campaign. Right. The and one thing like about this system that I did want to say was that <coughs> besides the we as soon as we got that new jump drive in mm-hmm. our old grabby ship, we were faster than the speed of communication. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
It was such a weird dynamic. Mm-hmm. From then on, mm-hmm. it was very strange. But that's yeah. kind of traveler anyway. Whether you're, you're always you're always so far away from communication because it is kind of a hard science science fiction game. It's not necessarily sp- uh, space sorcery like Star Wars or anything. It's much more computers <coughs> and speed of light, and you're limited by that. See, I, I think that frees us up so much, and that's one of the things I really love about Traveler. Is because can you imagine if we were like having the super fast communication, we would have to ask all the time. Because it gives you that freedom, like, and it. I think that was part of why it took us a while to get used to that. Because we kind of were in that. Oh yeah, we have to ask our superior officers, and it's like no, like, like you don't, because it'll be forever if you do that. Right. So it kind of at the same time it limits your choices. It also frees you up to make more choices than I think we would have been able to in a speed of light communication type setting, mm-hmm. or I guess faster than light or whatever. Right. So um, that's one of the things that I've always loved about Traveler, even though. It can it's be, a pain in the neck. It can be a pain, yeah. But it's it's the same sort of thing. Like when you're, you know, in a modern setting and everybody can text each other <coughs> versus like, oh no, it's letter writing in the '90s. So too bad you have to find a payphone and stuff like that. It's like that, or it's wh- the 1800s and you have to write a letter. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Go find a payphone and page someone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the trick about travelers to remember that it's still a pretty grit, gritty, and I mean by, by atmosphere, not necessarily dice mechanics. Yeah. system in that. It's not Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's, no. it's not slick and, and streamlined, and, and you know things happen instantaneously. It's m- it's much more Firefly, which we're pretty sure is actually the <laughs> Firefly. Oh, yeah. But it's much more, you know, ships still have water cooling, and space and spacesuits can get holes, and you can die, mm-hmm. and and you still have to like you know, in, in space there's there's recoil, and it will make you fly off. I mean, gravity does all of that stuff still applies. So mm-hmm. it's it's much more real. Then I think we tend to think of it in science fiction games. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, we'd like, like, I'll just use the sensors. No, there aren't <coughs> sensors. You actually have to like ping for radar, and you have to listen for sounds. There's no big sensor button mm-hmm. that gives you all the information on a planet. It's not that type of game. Now, the the one the one challenge getting back to uh, uh, communications that for the G, for the GM, in order to be fair, you need to keep track of like if the bad guys are communicating with their bosses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to keep track of how long that's taking as oh, well because they need point. to work under the same constraints. And it's real easy to forget that and say, "Oh, well, this would be the plot appropriate moment for this to happen." But wait, it's only been two days. Mm-hmm. The bad guys' bosses haven't even gotten the message yet. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so that the hit they can't have sent the hitmen yet. Yeah. With me uh, and the the leveling. Uh, or increasing skills thing um, I get really excited about whatever's happening in the moment so I have so many weeks of training and not enough in any of it because I kept switching oh I want to do vaccine yeah. <laughs> oh I need to do engineering well and I kind of see that yeah. as Riley's character like oh I just got a new tablet I'm going to spend the next few weeks doing ancient after like I've been on gunnery for almost enough time to get it right it's like, sorry no. <laughs> I feel my real life self has been really called out right now <laughs> <laughs> like why must you attack me I know <laughs> I'm the same way it's like, yeah. But Joey, what did you? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, um, kind of an overall rule that we kind of talk about sometimes, but especially in a crunchy game like Traveler, if the rules get in the way of the fun, alter the rules. Plus like, if the, yeah, if the rule isn't working for your game, make it different. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we did eventually, and um, like instead of spending time to look up the rule, just make it up on the fly, and that's the rule for now. And if we look it up later, great. If not, that's the way it is. And I think that worked well for us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I would never have used the the space combat rules mm-hmm. with you guys because I, I, if you notice, 
you never really got any any right. space combats yeah. at all. First I actually, off, I actually didn't want to because I know mm-hmm. what a pain in the ass it is. It, it's a it's a. <clears throat> I've never used the the space combat system in second edition. I don't know if I ever used it in first edition, but I I always just try to let the players know that space combat's super scary because you're in this little tiny thin metal bubble out in the void <laughs> of space, <laughs> and, and if something goes wrong, it's actually kind of boring too. It's a lot of putting down miniatures and moving stuff around and left and right. Well, and it's, it, it, and no, it's the the newer version is is way more uh, role play. Well, not role not role play, but. Uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? When something isn't... Efficient? Uh, no. Oh. Uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Uh, it, it is... Uh, it's basically... You, you roll a couple dice and kind of determine what happens, and you roll some more dice and okay. determine what happens. Um, Streamlined? Yeah. Oh, so it's very D&D. No. no that's <laughs> well, what I'm thinking of. Well, you're thinking about that... As a, like combat in, in, in uh, PBTA. Okay. If you had to describe that, it would narrative. be... Narrative. Narrative. Th- but there's another word. Okay. But narrative works. Okay. Player driven. I, I kept forgetting that in um, second edition so Traveler, there's sort of a sliding su- success scale. Like like you could do four plus or six plus or seven plus. I kept thinking it was always eight was a success, but mm. I remember at, at towards they the end of the game, that, yeah. they changed that, and I forgot. There's a it's a little chart mm-hmm. sort of hidden away in between chapters. Like there. four four hires routine, right, right. right. Yeah. And I, so I kept stressing, or like easy. I kept thinking, you know, oh my god, we're failing all our roles. But then I <clears> then I realized that you were using that chart, yeah. Like oh, this is a routine thing because I kept wanting to, I kept saying to myself. Why is he making his role for these routine things? Why is he making his role for, for because mm-hmm. th- one of the rules that we'd have was is, if the players have enough time to do something, just have them do it. Right. Don't have them roll. I kept having you roll. I kept going. Why is he doing this to us? I mean, I get it. If you fail, especially it's gonna happen. especially it can be so fun. Yeah. especially if you're if you're plotting your your jump space mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Or if you're trying to. Park I will the never ship. not let people roll that. Yeah. I will never not. I was terrified, and I realized that was me every time. <laughs> uh, I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If I get a critical failure, it's a missed jump. Uh-huh. And then you roll one die, and you look at like on the hex map of the star mm-hmm. system where the, where they started out, and you roll one die, and that's the direction, and then you roll one more die, and that's the distance, and that's where <laughs> you end up. And I've always loved that. That's very exciting. because yeah. I will inevitably I will put an alien space Hulk in that. And, and that that's and, and that <laughs> level of randomness is so much fun. Yeah, <coughs> yes. and also well, yes and like no, how memey it is. That, like I've, your pilot can't park. I've had it happen <laughs> before where you blink into someplace and you're out of fuel and there's no place to refuel and the game's kind of over. Well, that's that's a sucky GM. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to find something. That's a sucky GM because that's that's a TPK TP, TPK over one roll. A passive, yeah, that's lame. Um, I think uh, oh, I had something to say and I forgot mm-hmm. what it was. I would like to know, like, oh. what... Oh, sorry, uh-huh. I remember. Uh, I also think the way you set up the whole setting also kind of, ke- like, edged us away from space combat. Because, one, we're supposed to work for this philanthropic, helpful, situ- you know, thing. We're um, not a military organization. Yeah, we're not right. a military organization. <clears throat> then we stole this very, <coughs> very good military ship that we did not want anybody to notice we had. So it's like, um, if we obliterate everything around here, they're probably going to find evidence that it was us. Maybe we'll just hide and sneak through here quietly. Right. So I think both those like story elements also lent us to not really want to do space combat for reasons completely other than it was mechanically annoying. Oh, the word I was thinking of was abstract. Abstract. Oh. It, it was an ab- it's an abstracted system. Okay. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and then That's when good. we got to the the actual big battle at the end, like. It just seemed like the like we should be the ones to do like the main attack, but then that wasn't like space battling. Right. Well, yeah. The, the, that's why there again, 
I was able to keep the yeah. space combat system away from the table. Right. And the Tobantu are going to attack the thing, and we're just going to roll some dice. Yeah. And boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And then, and then you guys were basically doing close combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, personal combat. Yeah. So. And it was very satisfying as a player to, like, when you did that, it felt very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like when you get into those big battle scenes in a movie, mm-hmm. and you've got, like, all of your minor characters or whatever doing the major things but then you spend the most time on like your hero or heroes Mm -hmm. in fighting that one person and Mm -hmm. it's the intimacy yeah Mm -hmm. that is interesting rather than the whole overarching battle but the overarching battle happening and like how the the ship was shaking and like all Mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff was very atmospheric yeah i actually don't remember you saying anything about the space combat being weird so I just like it never occurred like it, just the way the story went like is not something I ever wanted like thought about doing as a character. It's mm-hmm. not I don't know if I, I've never I've never I've never run it. Mm-hmm. So I, I've read through it mm-hmm. and it's it just seems kind of it's abstract but still kind of fiddly. Mm. Got it. Uh, and that brings up a point. Uh, it wasn't the last episode. It was the episode right before it. You said uh, as we're leaving, your parting shot was like, "Oh, it's a great example of what not to uh, not to design." Uh, traps for your characters because I had no idea that you guys would go and assault the the big bad by yourselves. <laughs> and I'm like, well, of course we are. What, what would you expect us to do? What What did you think we were going to do? Because I, that statement really caught me off guard. Um, <clears throat> because uh, to my mind, like that's the, the only way to be sure yeah. is to yeah. get onto that ship and get him and shoot him directly. Because otherwise, we're just killing his minions. I figured you guys would would go down and wreck his his cloning facility, mm. um, and and maybe drive your ship into his. Mm. Huh. <laughs> suicide missions. Yeah. Or not necessarily suicide, but unmanned. Yeah. We could have programmed it. But I just wasn't right. sure that would oh. or yeah. poignant anything. But he had the nanobats too. that like well, would yes, he did. repair his ship and so it didn't feel like the final solution. I can't ever use that phrase again. No, no. no. But no, like no. it didn't feel like a um a thorough enough solution. Yeah. Like a guaranteed right. win. Like, oh, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because to, yeah, like to all of us, we were like, well, yeah, absolutely, we're gonna have to board the ship. Yeah, and we get need to see the body. Yeah, we actually, yeah, this Double game wanted to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, says the the, the the captain quote unquote <laughs> the mil- our military leader of the SS legitimate salvage. Yeah, <laughs> but it does it does reinforce the or the advice that we always give, which is come up with the problems and let the players come up with the solutions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had left enough wiggle room in there that we had plenty of options about what we wanted to do. In fact, we pretty much spent an entire episode <laughs> or, or, or figuring out what it is we were going to do and how we were oh, going to do Oh, session 12 yeah. was basically what that was. It was yeah. just planning and plotting. Because, uh, again, you you didn't really have anything carved in stone. There was no, this is the one way to do it. And so no. we were able to... And again, again, we're kind of shooting in the dark too. We're like, "What if this? What if that? What do we you know?" Do? And, <coughs> and that is one thing. I mean, Stu and I were talking one day, or it was like, there isn't one solution to his problems. When you GM, like, you're like, "Look, if y'all figure out a solution, we'll figure out what the consequences are from it." But there isn't one solution to whatever problem I'm setting up. Yeah, and I feel like that's something to take away as GM. Absolutely. It's like, don't force your players into. A tiny, like, yeah. Give them a skeleton key. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it easier for everybody if yeah. there's just here's the problem. I have no idea how to solve it. Yeah, right. but here's, <laughs> you know, here's I, I, that's that's probably I think why because that was a very ballsy move. It's like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna go on the ship and we're gonna go shoot the thing in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
We were. We were ballsy. Cool. It was a very adventurous uh, uh, plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I made him pretty tough. You did, and then but you also we gave us. Lucky. You also gave <laughs> so. us some some outs too. You were like. I remember your Marine said, no, we will be a distraction for you, and we will go up top and pull them off. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, I feel like I feel like once we'd established the By plan, all rights, you helped. It probably should have been reversed yeah. in real life. Right. You yeah. would have sent right. the special ops team to go kill the guy. Right. You guys would have done a distraction. But that's, come on. It, that's not <laughs> nearly as fun exactly. as us fighting, you know, the spotter, spider Dalek. And then how would Riley have gotten the really cool artifact? Exactly. Well, there's uh, shit all over the ship. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship's still there, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. No, the ship was on fire, but we don't know. And we don't, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Didn't you guys want to launch? Sh- you launched we it. Launched it. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's we launched right. it. We launched oh, yeah, it. That's launched right. it. Launched it toward the that's elliptical right. galaxy. Put a, like, fuck you. NGC bomb on it. 3610. Yes. I found which nice. elliptical galaxy. Oh, good. Nice. All right. So we're we're a little over an hour. So yeah. let's end it. Yeah, well, do, do, were, you said you wanted us to go around and say one thing we learned or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. No, no. Pooja had her thing. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. damn. <laughs> On the spot. Remember, you were like, nobody take my thing, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Call I, mean, an <laughs> I just thought it'd be really funny if, like, I was the last, like, yeah. normally oh. am, oh, okay. and somebody d- did take my thing. Oh. But um, no, I. I wanted to say that, like, early on, Kimmy's character, Riley, and mine, like, butted heads a lot. Mm. And one thing that was really great was that Kimmy and I, as players, talked about the relationship and talked about, like, where we were going with it. So that there were no, like, there were no hard feelings. There was no, like, kind of personal aspect to it. We just realized, like, our characters were not gonna. (laughs) Right. And then when we felt it had gone on long enough, like, we had a kind of come to Jesus session. Yeah. Um, Which worked well because it like wasn't planned at all. Exactly. Like, it was just like, hey, like there was like after a battle or something, we're like, hey, here's a beer. Oh, thanks. Cool. And then it just like, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like an evolution of our relationship. Yeah. But the basis of that was player communication. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. It was like, you knew, we. I always knew where we stood. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, bleed can happen. It's yes. What yeah. happens in games sometimes takes it, plays out on real world stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I really learned anything other than the fact that, well, I learned in myself that I need to make sure that I take, like, like if I get a, a power suit, I should probably print out the stats of it so I have it there, <laughs> <laughs> or at least force the GM to give me the stats. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I get a magic ship that hold, is full of great stuff, I want to make sure that I know what the story. I is. want a list of that. I want a list of that stuff, <laughs> so I don't look like an idiot on online going, "Oh, really? Those things were here? Oh, oh. well, I don't, what does the, what does the suit do?" So. That's a failure on me because I probably could have taken the workload off of Stu because he's a busy guy and, and come up with the battle suit and said, "This is what my battle suit has." Okay, mm-hmm. as opposed to, "Does it have this?" Kind of makes just slows everything down. So, mm-hmm. I think in the future when I get cool stuff, I'll I'll just make sure I have a list of what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm and not fumbling through a bunch of pages in a book trying to figure out and, what I have. And cool stuff in Traveler really kind of is character. Advancement. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's I mean, true. The, mm-hmm. Your equipment really is how you advance mm-hmm. if you're a fighting character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I learned was because I'm a player who, who tends to build a lot of my character on my backstory mm-hmm. and really dig into that. And I think because this game was a little more loose and I went in a little more loose with Milo, it really let me have more fun and really kind of explore the character in ways I didn't know how he was going to go. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I took away from, is maybe be a little looser, like plan the backstory and then forget it, mm-hmm. and then bring stuff up if it comes up, but just leave it alone, and then just play with what you have on the table, and then 
see what your character evolves into. Mm-hmm. Nice. The traveler is really that way for sure mm-hmm. because you really don't know what you're going to get. And then I mean, we all start the first couple of episodes like I have no idea how to play this character. I have no idea what his motivations are because all of this stuff. What do we do? Mm-hmm. You really are right. flailing for a while. But it is fun. It's like yeah. improv. And I know I know players who absolutely will not play Traveler because of the fact that it has a random character. Oh, I love it. Mm. Yeah. 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 See, it is. Favorite. It's scary. Mm. Yeah. It, it is, but it's, so it's like so great. Uh, yeah, there's been more than one time where it's like, hey, we're bored. Let's just do travel character creation yeah. yep. as a game by itself. Because uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's, it's kind of like playing Dekama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's yeah, that available? I can see that. Oh, yeah. Uh, GoldenLossedGames.com slash Dekama. Which is officially a DBA now. It's officially oh, a company. Yay! So, yay! Golden Lasso Games. Have you gotten the the uh, business tax bill from your city yet? Well, no. I literally like two days ago got okay. the thing. Okay. Because <laughs> as soon as they figure out you have a DBA, they start sending you a tax bill. I, I had to do that previously, so it's going to be like it's based on a percentage of your income for this year. So it'll be like, ha! Huh, Two bucks. <laughs> yeah, I spent three hundred dollars to get a DBA, so I owe you nothing. Um, <laughs> but hopefully next year. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I mean, I learned a whole bunch during this campaign, Part the kind of like the metagame, which we already touched on, so I feel like metagaming to keep a, a, a character in the party, but in a way that's still true to the character was something that I really did, like, learned a lot about doing in this campaign. But I think the thing I've stolen the most, um, and my... Legitimate salvage. Yeah, legitimate <laughs> salvage, sorry. Is your tricks do, and you've been doing this for as long as I've been playing your games, but your trick of ending on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Which I have 100% stolen down. I'm using in my masks campaign because you were like I, at first I thought it was like oh it's for dramatic purpose because it like makes the show good. And then one time during this game, you're like no, I end on cliffhangers because then I know exactly where the party's going to start next time. Yep. <laughs> I don't have to yeah I don't have to guess or wait around for you guys to decide at the beginning and then not have something prepared. Well, we we had a session. Yeah. You may remember when you guys decided you were going to leave one of the deep space research stations. Mm-hmm. You had you had no idea where you were going to go, right. and I even like texted or used Slack and like, do you guys have any idea where you're going to go? <laughs> nope. Because nope. it's like, no, nope. no. Nope. I kind of want to have something ready, <laughs> and I have no <laughs> idea where you're going. Yeah. We were all like, no. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oops. So uh, that is a thing that I've completely stolen, and uh, my mass campaign. If they listen to this episode, will be like, God dang it, this is going to happen a lot. Oh yeah. Because it's it made it so much easier because I didn't have to like push like like sometimes at the beginning of a game where there's not that cliffhanger you have to kind of be like all right so it's the next day and you wake up what do you do and there's like that getting that momentum right. but it's like if you're in a cliffhanger and there's a big thing happening right then there's no like getting that momentum going for the next session it also yeah. guarantees that players are going to come back so <laughs> yeah. right i called in six so i can finish this game yeah <laughs> what happened yeah so yeah, that's my big my yeah. big takeaway from this campaign. Which I have to say, like I'm, I'm I've been on pins and needles for two weeks <laughs> because yeah. in our Call of Cthulhu game, like I rolled a hundred yeah. on a roll. Oh no! I saw you do that. You're like, I got two zeros, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> yeah, you were like, like, oh wait, I got two so zeros. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, like no. no, that's bad. You want? Oh. Yeah. And that night, I sat down and wrote out what's going to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's another thing that's that's really great about that is because it gives you time to find like a really like yeah, you're not so in the spot about it. You can think about like what would be the most effective, what most awesome yeah. thing to start with next time. Yeah, right. Alrighty. So you're right. still on pins and needles because you don't know what's going to happen. No Sunday. <laughs> also, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Alright, so we're, I'm going to end it. Okay. All right. Oh. We hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. 
joining us for season 25, episode 16 of Happy Tech Strategy Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Pusha. I'm Stork. I'm Joey. And I'm Kimmy. And we'll see you next Friday at 7.03 Pacific Time, <laughs> right here at happyjacks.org slash live. Yes. And, uh, and then we got uh, Call Cthulhu On Sunday. Monday. Yep. Uh, yeah. Then we have... Sunday. 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 Yeah. Sunday. Monday. Monday we've got Insert Coin Floodwater. Um, go to happyjacks.org slash schedule. Um, you see all the stuff that's happening. Thank you very much. We'll leave the song. Yeah. Oh, happy jacks, our patron saint of the skillful game master. Oh, guide us well with ascending to avert a disaster. Whether fate or curse or millions of apocalyptic acts, fellow listeners and every host will always have our backs. Unless you're playing D&D and then they'll give you crap.
set of goodly sport to my comfort who shall be The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum. Why problem make when you no know problem have you don't want to make?